You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Jamie D and Big Newt coming at you right now. I am Jamie D'Amico, he is Big Chris Newton, and we come at you every week to give you the latest of what's going on with the Bills, and boy, we've got a lot to talk about today. We have the Bills losing a backbreaker, or heartbreaker, however you want to say that. You have coaches that may not be seeing eye to eye, a Josh Allen injury, but more than anything, I want to know, how are you doing, Big Chris Newton? Hey, man, I'm doing all right, man. Usually, uh, we're going to discuss today. Usually, we're going to talk about stuff that I usually don't like talking about is refereeing and moral victory. So, uh, that's why I am with it, and uh, let's dive into it, man. First of all, though, how how was your trip, man? You made your way down to Tampa, Florida. <laughs> how was that on the bright side? Okay, on the bright side, it was it was a gorgeous day. I had amazing seats. It w- it turned out to be a fun game. There was some decent tailgating. Bills fans all over the place. Tampa, you were a great host. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Outside of that, I went to the I stayed with my parents in their condo down there, and uh, you know went to the game with them. Tell me if this is a thing that that your your parents do. Do they get really concerned about how much gas is left in their gas tank? Do they ever let it get down below, like, say, a quarter of a tank? No. No, mine either. (laughs) And that's definitely a generational thing. So my father noticed that after we were leaving the game, he's like, oh, my God, the gas gauge is so low. We only have six miles left. And I look and I'm like, oh, well, there's a gas station a third of a mile away. Well, that was not enough for him to stop panicking because it was below a quarter. <laughs> oh, man. It's like <laughs> those progressive commercials, man. Like, don't be your parents, man. Those are so funny. They are really good. And even my parents like them. They're like, <laughs> oh, paper ticket. See, we're off to a bad start. <laughs> Did you have paper tickets to the game, or did you have electronic tickets? Oh, no. Well, I had electronic tickets, got them through SeatGeek. I'm like, okay, guys, you got to download the SeatGeek app, and then you're going to have it on your phone. Well, my mother sets up a SeatGeek account, and I'm like, okay, now download the app. And she does, she's like, oh, I got to go through all of this all over again? I said, no, just put in your username and password. She's like, that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I hate, I hate mobile tickets, dude. I'm old school. I like the, I like the feel of a ticket. I like to keep all my ticket stubs. And we actually, this Saturday, uh, we drove up there for the Georgetown Syracuse game. Oh yeah. And, uh, 
And so we got the tickets transferred to us. And it's like when you had the mobile tickets, you used to just be able to take a screenshot of it and then they could still scan it. But right. now they got this thing where you can't even do that. You got to be live and online because really? they got the little red bar going across back and forth. And I'm like, man, I, I just hate all that, man. Just give me the ticket so I can get in there. I, I just don't like it. I mean, I know it's more convenient, but I, I just don't like it. I used to save, save my ticket stubs. I I still have my ticket stub from the uh, one Notre Dame football game I ever went to back in 1991. Oh, nice. Yeah. The good old days with Bettis and them boys. I like that. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, so getting back to something that you already brought up, you have said so many times there are no moral victories in football. And after the Bills lose... Thirty-three twenty-seven. I have a question for you. Yes, was that a moral victory? Yes, it was. And you and I was saying, <laughs> <laughs> "Hey, man, and you can hold my feet to the fire on this one." You know, you and I were texting each other back and forth, and I know a lot of people are upset about the ref thing, and we're gonna talk about that. But I'm gonna tell you, if we would we, at halftime at twenty-four to three. I was just checked out. I'm like, this mm-hmm. team is not going to go nowhere. It's okay. Just start accepting it now. Okay? And so when I say more victories, I was explaining it to my son. Because I always tell him, man, in football, there's no more victories. Either you win or you don't win. But I found myself after the game, I mean, it sucked that we lost. But it's a lot better than us getting stomped out 40. Because I was like, I thought we were just going to lose like 40 to 10. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So us coming back. Pushing it to overtime, have, making a game of it. As bad as we were the first half, we were that good second half outside overtime. And mm-hmm. I'd rather that because now I feel like, okay, you could build off that. Where we would have just got choked out, I was ready to get on here like, yeah, we're a scrub. Just accept it. We're not going to the playoffs. Oh, well, let's get ready for the draft. Let's start watching bowl games and get ready for the draft. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where I was first half of the game. I I just didn't care. I was, and then and my thing about it is we always talk about it. I talk about this all the time. You people say, oh, you don't have to run the ball. You throw it 50, 50 times. Well, we saw what happens when you throw it 50 times. You have to run the ball some. If not, they're gonna pin the ears back and they're gonna hit your quarterback 12 times like they did, like Tampa Bay did. Mm-hmm. You have to slow the rush by designing plays and by running the football, if anything, to protect our uh, $200 million quarterback. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly right. And the other thing is you're putting a hat on a hat and you're making them play the type of football that they don't necessarily want to play because we've talked about it on here before, and I've gotten this from Brandon Staley, former University of Dayton Flyer, fellow alma mater, He was saying that the thing you're doing with running the ball is you're making them take on the block and hit someone. Even if you don't get anywhere, as opposed to a pass play, you may not have more than four people on the defense that make any contact with another person the entire play. And you got to wear them out by making them play physical, even if you're not moving the ball. But that's why you have to do it. You got to do it just to keep the defense honest. And, that's great. Josh Allen's our best player. Us throwing the football is what we do, but you got to keep them honest. And when you're just doing the same thing, they just go nickel, man up, and 
they're going to pin their ears back. You're not even slowing down the rush. So we definitely didn't help ourselves by throwing the football 50 times. But in the second half, and once again, this is the bright side. In the second half, when we did run the football, it worked. Because we mm-hmm. run, we didn't run the ball the whole first half. So I will give I give it to Brian Dable and our offense. It worked second half. It worked second half, but it sounds like that is burning McDermott's toast, doesn't it? The comments that he's making, they asked about him about the play calling. He's like, Well, I liked it in the second half. And that, that's the second time in three weeks that he's made similar comments about the amount that they've run the ball and implying that it's not enough. Is there a problem? I I certainly think so. And I know you were at the game. I don't know if you watched the telecast, not just offensively, but defensively. And, uh, and they pointed it out on the telecast. He pulled uh, the defensive uh, crew or team, excuse me, excuse me, the defensive staff to the side, it was him, Frazier, and a couple of other guys standing there, and he was drawing, it's like he was drawing stuff in the dirt, like, hey, we need to make these adjustments now before halftime. And then when we came out on defense, that next uh, series, we couldn't get lined up right. And you could tell we were doing something on the fly, and they pointed it out, Romo and them pointed it out on a telecast. And so, yeah, I think not to answer your question, not just offensively, but defensively also, you could tell he was getting fired up, and then you could just tell the way we were getting the calls with the referees too. He he was getting fired up, man. So So here's the thing. He seems to be making comments to the media about Brian Dable not running the ball enough, but he is – the second most powerful person in the organization. So if Sean McDermott says you have to run the ball more, why wouldn't Brian Dable be running the ball more? He's the boss. He reports to the owner. There's nobody else who has more authority than Sean McDermott. And then you see in the media or social media, a lot of people say they must be listening to us because you could just tell Brian Dable was like, okay, we're going to go out and throw the ball every play. And that's what happened the first half. And that's what everybody wanted, right? I mean, that's what everybody was yelling about, you know, uh, after the New England game. So I wonder, do they do they listen to us? Do they, You know, they say they don't listen, but do you think they're taking what we're saying in, into consideration? Absolutely. I mean, if you listen to us, I have. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I – I don't know, but he was getting fired up, and and, I, and and he understands defense. And so he knows we have to run the ball. You have to run the ball even if it does not work. That's just the way it is. I know fans don't like to hear it, but right. you have to be able to run the ball. And, and, and like I said, I mean, we ran the ball nicely, but giving the ball to Josh I- Giving the ball to Josh Allen 50 times, that's all great. He threw for over 300 yards. He ran for another 100. But now he's in a walking booth. We don't even know if he's going to be able to play this week, as of the report. So that's part of it, too. So let's talk about that aspect of it. Josh Allen ran the ball 12 times. Not all of them were designed runs. And then Bruce Arians, the head coach of the Buccaneers, said, I would not run my quarterback that much. Well, what do you think? Even though Tom Brady had a, what, 15-yard run against us? Yeah. 
I almost threw up in my mouth when I saw that. That was the slowest 15 yards oh I've ever God. seen. Oh, my God. It was horrendous, dude. I was like, and then you just think back of uh, the video when he was at uh, the combine and he was running, dude. It, it, the way he runs is just horrible. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it was awful. So it, it became it became a debate, though, like wh- whether or not they were overusing Josh Allen in the run game. Bruce Arians said that I agreed with him, and that was met with some pushback on Twitter. Um, John Shuchuk said, Jamie, love the work, man, but without Josh's legs opening the passing game, that's a 48-3 to blowout. If Josh do- doesn't step out of bounds at the one, hits the pylon, for it's a W. Yep. I, I have to agree with that. Yes. Um, Mark David, F. Reich Comeback is his at on Twitter. Would you rather have them slam the running back into the middle of the line for a one-yard gain? And really, I said choice C. I would rather they just fix the. <laughs> I'd rather they just fix the running game in the offensive line. But right. they make legitimate points. If Josh Allen is your entire offense, can you get away from him? No. And 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 once again, I don't want to put this all on Josh Allen. I think he played well. I think he played well enough for us to win. He played good. I, I wouldn't say that, oh, he's above reproach because if you look at our third and fourth down conversion, I think we were set, uh, two for three on fourth downs, but we were only two for 13 on third downs. Mm-hmm. And so now that's going to lead into, I'm sure, your next question about coaching. Well, we well did- I, no. I my, the next thing I was going to say is, no, he is not above reproach. No. And the, <laughs> the perfect example of that is him yet again floating another ball down the middle of the field off his back foot for an interception. It's gotten to the point where it's maddening. You can't do that. That's Nathan Peterman crap. Yeah, I I agree, man. And so these are things that McDermott can't talk about because you can't throw your quarterback under the bus. You got to act like that you're fully supportive, just like Josh Allen has to take it on his, you know, hey, I got to do more. But everybody looking at his stats and the people who love him and going to say, no, you did enough. You threw for 300 yards, two touchdowns, and you ran for another one. And yeah, you did enough. You did your job. Well, he played good, but two for 13 is not great. Tom Brady was eight for 16 on third down or something. Like that. He was mm-hmm. like 50%. If we convert some of those third downs, especially the one in overtime, when we went three and out, when he floated the ball out of bounds, I mean, that's part of it too. And I think that's what led to us going for the fake punt. Okay. And so yeah. I everybody say, oh, you got to put it in Josh Allen's hands. He's our best player. I don't think at that point he felt like the Josh Allen was going to convert it because, once again, we talked about this against New England. Some of those blitzes you see pre-snap, he's not seeing it. And then sometimes he's running out he, – sometimes he's running uh, – sometimes he's running out of pocket when he doesn't need to. Mm-hmm. Now, once again, I'm not going to nitpick. I'm not going – this is a team loss. But if you watched the game, you were there, you saw as good as anybody, it's things that Josh Allen could have did to help us win. So this, this is on everybody. But this, I'm sticking up for McDermott in this in this situation. That's the reason why he didn't go for it on fourth down because I don't think he thought that we'd get it. 
Now, there was a, a fourth and three from the 45 that I thought he should have gone for. Um, and I know that I, I know that you're in your own territory. You don't want to do it. Right. And then there was a, I think it was fourth and six, and the Bills kicked a field goal. Maybe it was fourth and three. No, it was definitely fourth and three. Uh, and they were down inside the 10-yard the line. They kicked the field goal. Conventional wisdom says you kick that field goal every time when you're on the road, especially. Right. You, you take the points because you don't want to keep digging a deeper and deeper, deeper hole for yourself. Right. But emotionally, I wanted them to go. But but that's and I've heard everybody the last forty eight hours talk about that. What if we go for it and don't get it? Then the game doesn't go to overtime because then at the end we would need a touchdown instead of a yeah. uh, instead of just a field goal. You see what I'm saying? You take the points on the road, right? You got to take the points on the road. So I I don't see I if anything, and I know you're not going to agree with this. If anything, I would have went for it on fourth down at in the in the in the regulation. Because in my mind, I just felt like the way the game was going, if this goes to overtime, we're going to lose. If Tom Brady, because my thing is, if we would have lost, if we would have lost the uh, coin toss, then Tom Brady would have just did what he did once he got the ball. So if you're telling me Josh Allen is our best player, then why leave it up to chance with a coin toss? Even though it worked our way, we got the coin toss. We just went three and out. Honestly, but, I wanted to go for that one, too. I'm I, like, you I, might I as well. I just feel like if we don't get it here, I felt like there's no way we was going to win this game. No way. So we were fourth. What, what was we? Fourth and three? Fourth and three. Fourth and three uh, in the regulation. And I'm like, go for it, man. You got a chance to win the game right here. But mm-hmm. I understand you're calling. This is easy for us to say because we're fans and our livelihood is dependent on a decision. I get what he did, but I just felt like when we kicked the field goal, I'm like, okay, we're going to overtime. And then so, we, we won the coin toss, which was fine. But then we went three and out. We ran the ball with Singletary, got a nice run. Then um, I forget what we did second down. A whole bunch of nothing. Second down, did we throw it to Knox? I think we got like five yards to Knox, I want to say. And then the third down was the little hitch play to um to Diggs. And he said, oh, I got ground P.I. And he sailed it out of bounds. Mm-hmm. So we punt and then we know the rest. So I, I've seen that coming from a mile away. Just go for the win while you got the ball. And then see your best player in hands who was playing well at that time. So when the Bills had the ball with 20 seconds left and it's third down, they came out. They threw the ball. It was obviously pass interference. That would have been the game winner. But I think the Bills should have run it. I actually think that they should have handed it off to uh, to Devin Singletary. I think that would have caught them off guard. Even if they didn't get the first down with 20 seconds, you still have the time to get your your, uh, field goal team out on the field. Mm -hmm. And you can kick it. Uh, if not, um, you know, you go for it, you, you make it, but you don't get the touchdown. Okay. You run up to the line, run another play or spike it, but you can still get your field goal, but you've got time for two plays or three, depending on how quickly you move in 20 seconds. Yeah. I mean, I didn't like the, I didn't like the clock management. 
um, that last drive. I felt like too much time was coming off the clock. But then Jalen, Jalen watching the game with me, he was like, man, you can't give Tom Brady no minute. Left. And I was like, yeah, I guess that's why they're trying to uh, wind down the clock where they don't have any – if we do score yeah. a touchdown, that they don't have any time left, which I totally understand. Well, you know what? He's right. Because how many times have we seen Brady march right. 80 yards in one minute? And it's like they don't even break a sweat doing it. Right. No, I can see that. It's just, it's just unfortunate how he played out. I, I agree. That's fair. I like good job, Jalen, eleven year old football player. <laughs> Smart guy, <laughs> big guy. Smart guy, mm-hmm. big guy who's being. Uh, he's getting his profile out there on the interwebs and everything. Yep, prep zone hoops. Nice little write up on him. So, yeah, but I just I don't know, man. It. I know it was frustrating, and especially you being there. Like, how many? How many? If you had to say what percentage of Bill fans down there, did we have a large contingent down there? Yeah, yeah. I would say probably like twenty five percent, thirty percent, twenty five. Like it got loud, man. When when they when Temple Bay had the ball, you could hear it. So did you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was uh, on the visitors' sideline with um, with all the rest of the Bills fans. Really, that's where all of them ended up. Um, and I think you could see that from, from the TV angle. Uh, so it was probably, you know, you probably were able to see all of the Bills fans, Mm -hmm. but a lot of them in the, in the lower bowl, which was pretty cool. Um, so the PI that wasn't called on Stefan Diggs. Now we have said it time and time again, we don't blame the refs. You have to play well enough to take the refs out of the game. Right. You know Tom Brady is going to get every single call. Mm-hmm. However, an interesting stat brought up by Howard and Jeremy just this morning on WGR. Of the 500-plus pass attempts by the Buffalo Bills, which equates to over 2,000 individual routes run, there has been only one defensive holding called against an opposing defense. Hmm. This season. Hmm. Sounds like bills aren't getting calls. Yeah, man. That's been our bedrock. We never blame the refs. We always say be the person good enough to where the refs get taken out of it. But that was blatant, man. And, and my thing is, and if you, and my thing is, if you're going to say, let them play, I'm cool with that. Don't call it. But then we got what? Three called against us that game. Yeah. And the one Levi Wallace, who, hey, our secondary, I feel like our secondary held up pretty well. It did. For the most part. But that one man on Levi Wallace, man, come on, bro. If, you, if you're if you not going to give me digs, then you can't call the one on Levi Wallace. Along I thought that could have gone either way. But that's the thing. That's fair if you say it could have gone either way. But then you got to give me, if you call that, you got to give me the digs one. Well, because here's the, the thing. Even, even if you, you do or don't call that, you have to call the Diggs one. I mean, the guy was pulling on his jersey and pushed him out of bounds. Like, Yeah. Like, it was egregious. Else? It was egregious. That's why I'm like, no, sir. But there's, like you said, there's no way they was going to give us first down that close to the goal line because we essentially, you know we would have won it right then. And let's be 100% honest. We know what the NFL wants here. I'm not into conspiracy theories, but how badly does the NFL want to see the Patriots against the Bucks in the Super Bowl? Yeah. 
It feels that way, and I hate to be like that, and normally I'm not, but it, I mean, it feels that way, bro, you know? But there's things the Bills could have done to make it not matter. Tremaine Edmonds could have made that stop on third and one when he got run through by Leonard Fournette, yep. you know? Yeah, because he was in the backfield. If he could have just got him down, man, he missed the tackle, and Leonard Fournette, the initial contact, and he had the two extra steps to put him over the first down, man. You're right. Yeah. I You're mean, right. you've got a free run at a ball carrier, and you miss. Right. It wasn't even a big hole. It just – you know what it looks like to me, honestly, mm-hmm. in the replay? It looks like Edmonds didn't want to take him straight on, so he veered to his right while Fournette went to his own right, and that was enough to not get – a solid hit on him. Mm-hmm. And for yeah. that's a strong man, man. So, you know, it, it's a couple of plays is like that, man. And I know we're going to get to the final play where Perriman scored. That looked like a busted coverage. It, and it was. It was, man. I, I watched the game again. Uh, this morning and looked at it because everybody like some people think it's zone, some people look uh, think it's man. It looked like man coverage, all right. But they brought a receiver in motion, right? Because that's how you decide on mm-hmm. how, if it's if it's a uh, man or zone, right? But our two secondary people they rotated with the person in coverage, right? So mm-hmm. if the outside receiver comes inside, then they just slide down. So if I'm the outside cornerback, I take that now inside receiver, and now you, who are on the inside, you take that guy in motion. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So we rotate. We pass it off, but we're still in man. All right? And so now we got pyramid dragging across the middle, and it's like <laughs> the third person is the middle linebacker. And it looked like Edmonds was like, oh, shoot, I got him, and he was just a step too late recognizing it. And he drug across the middle and couldn't catch him once the ball was in the air. Mm-hmm. That's what and, it looks like to me. I don't know the defensive play call. I'm not in their meetings. I don't know their scheme. But just watching the play develop, that's what it looked like to me. And let's let's be realistic. Edmonds should not be expected to be able to run with a wide receiver. Right. Right. That's that's not a that's not a fair assignment on him. Right. And it would have been good because I mean, if it's within five yards, you could put your hands on him. That'd be great, but. I mean, but he didn't Tom, even do that. Right. He didn't he, he was off the line. And Tom Brady seen it quickly. And and once again, I don't want to act like I'm praising Tom Brady. I know most of us out there hate him. But the different Tampa Bay has a good old line. But Tom Brady knows where we're blitzing from. He knows when he looks at a defense, he knows the mic and will identify. He knows where the pressure's coming and where to go with the ball. That's why you can never hit him. You right. know, where with Josh Allen, you can just tell from his feet, and I keep saying this over, you can tell from his feet he doesn't know what he's looking at. And that's mm-hmm. why you've seen it. It was about three or four times where he got outside the pocket where there was no need to get outside the pocket. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you got to stand in there and deliver the ball. But I get it. When you when you don't have a good old line, you always feel under pressure. And we talked about this last season. I don't think I brought up one of my favorite sayings. They call it quarterbacks getting the yips. Oh, right, yeah. it's like seeing ghosts. We talked about this last season. I don't think we brought it up this season, and you could just tell. And once again, when you're throwing the ball 50 times, it's gonna be about 10 of those times 
where they're going to hit you, which I think they did. I think they sacked him three times, and he got hit like 12 times, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's what develops that you start seeing ghosts, your feet don't get settled, you know, and I I just don't understand that because our receivers, once again, I feel like we have one of the best receiver cores in the the NFL. Like, I feel like we should have more faith in it. But once again, I wasn't at the game. I didn't see, you know, the, I haven't seen the wide copy of the field and see was our receivers open when he was out the pocket. I don't know. We only see the telecast. So, and most of the time the telecast is the tight copy. But you can just tell, I like to look at a quarterback's feet and you can just tell he was jittery most of the time. Yeah. Let's talk about quarterbacks. Sometimes you are witnessing something, whether it's a great video game player, an athlete, an actor, a singer, musician. You just know you're in the presence of greatness. And I hate to make it sound like this, but watching Tom Brady, it was sort of like, I am in the presence of greatness right now. Yes. And when it really hit me was that touchdown pass in the corner to Mike Evans, and he was not open. (laughs) Um, From my angle, from my vantage point, it was very similar to Brady's vantage point, except I was up a little higher. You could not see Mike Evans. Right. And all of a sudden, it was a touchdown. Like, are you kidding me? And to me, the most impressive throw that he made is we had him under duress, okay, and he just lobs it up to Mike. Is that that was the Mike Evans, right? Where yeah, the touchdown. Lob- well, no, that wasn't the touchdown. No, I thought he went out of bounds, and he just lobbed it up, and then he caught it like on the three yard line. Oh yes, <laughs> he was under duress and just threw a perfect ball under duress, and then Mike Evans got it, and then took because we were in man coverage. All right, and. I, I was like, I can't believe this. The accuracy under duress, the dude, he just lobbed it up like, I, I, was, I mean, I know we don't want to hear this. I, I understand it was like Jordan when Jordan was just dominating everybody. But, man, that was, I, that was an outstanding throw and an outstanding play by Tom Brady. In the one you're talking about, we sort of had one of those, oh, my God, moments because he threw it like five minutes before the ball actually landed. Yes. And, I mean, Evans covered so much ground to get there. And we've seen Josh Allen do that from, like, the all-20 view. But this, I have never seen so much air under a pass both be completed and also not even go that far down in the field. Right. It was this just rainbow. It, the ball came down with ice on it. It was up so high. And it's like, once again, we see the tight copy, and I'm like, okay, he's falling back. He just throws it up. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is going to be a pick. And then they <laughs> show the receiver, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I, I couldn't believe it, man. And it, it's plays like that, dog. It. And to be, what, 45 years old or whatever the heck he is, like, I'm like, this dude, he just don't want to go away, man. He's like a cockroach. He just don't want to die. Just die already. (laughs) And this is really why my parents wanted to go to this game. My father's like, hey, look, how many more opportunities are we going to have to see the GOAT? And I have to admit, that's the only time I've ever seen Brady in person. It, It was kind of neat to witness. Mm-hmm. We better stop talking about this because we probably lost half of our listeners. I know, and I get it. <laughs> People hate them. I mean, but 
It's like I said, it's like when Michael Jordan was dominating everybody and he come to your city and play your team. It's like you got to stand up and part. But that's me, though. That's the athlete in me. I don't mind losing. If you play better than me and you're a great player, I can shake your hand. Hey, great mm-hmm. job. But that it was there for the taking, man. But as long as I'll say this, though, the takeaway is if we play like we play in the second half, we'll win the last four games. But that's the mm-hmm. big question. Are we going to play like this the last four games? Is this team too streaky? What yep. is making them streaky? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't have the answer to that, why they're so up and down. But you're right. That is a, that is a team that can win it all that we saw through, this, through the third and fourth quarter right. of that game. But are you going to put together the next eight quarters like that? And I, I don't know. I hope we do, but I, I can't say that. I I know people don't want to hear this. We need to win the next four. Yes. I'm not coming off of that. We need to win the next four. And I believe uh, Howard and Jeremy show, they said on there that we win the next four, we got like an 86% chance of making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. If we only win 10 games, it drops. And mm-hmm. so I, we got to win the next four. And the way we're playing, I don't – I see us losing another one. I hate to say it. I'm just telling the truth. It just, you know, it entirely depends on what Bill's team is going to show up. Is it going to be the engaged, emotional, ready to win it team that we saw in the second half, or the team I was texting you about in the first half and I was posting about on Twitter? These guys don't look, they just didn't look like they wanted to be there. And they turned it around at halftime, but right. I mean, they were sleepwalking out there. Yeah. And I, and I, and that's something I can't stand. I'm never going to put my name on. Uh, being unemotional. If you're if you're gonna lose, I could deal with a loss. But just to be out there and act like you don't want to be there, I, I can't mm-hmm. put my I can't support that. Those tickets and all that money. Once again, I'm all about the fan. I love Buffalo. I love the Bills, but I love you all, the fans, more. And all the money that the regular guy got to spend to go all the way out there and spend all that money to get in the game. Those tickets was like two hundred dollars just to get in the building, sit at the top. I. I can't put my my name on having unemotional performances. I well, can't I do hear, it. I hear what you're saying because everybody has an off day and everybody has a bad day at the office. However, the equivalent is now we would only be required to go into the office 17 days a year and only work for three hours out of that day. You damn well better be up for that and ready to go. <laughs> and but that's the thing. And but that's fine. I get it. We're all human. We're not going to play one hundred percent optimally all the time. But I gave you Jacksonville, right? You did. <laughs> I gave the defense. I gave, I, I gave the defense Indianapolis. Yeah. Okay, when we couldn't stop the running game, I gave. Well, we had a bad weather day. It was a snow day against uh, New England. See, mm-hmm. now that's I'm naming three, four other times. You know what I'm saying? We we had a slow start against Pittsburgh that I let go. See, you you can't keep having those. If you're not, if you do, then you're not a Super Bowl team. You're just a, another guy, which is fine. Maybe we'll just make the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? But that's the reason why I said it. We've been so up and down. And once again, man, don't think I'm cheering against. I'm not a real fan. I'm not cheering against Buffalo. I'm just telling you what I'm seeing. 
and what we've seen, I can't see us winning the next four. Now, could we make a run? Yes. Yes. Uh, Romo they, said it on the telecast. Can. Hey, they was uh, Tampa Bay was seven and five last year, and they made a run. And I pray that that happens. I pray that we make a run. But I just see, okay, the last New England. Do you think Josh Allen's gonna go into New England and win? Honestly. Honestly, I can say right now, I don't know. Because I I can't predict what this team is going to do. Okay. I, we pretty much... They could. They could. But would you bet your house on it? That big no, beautiful... I wouldn't bet my house that on beautiful, it. That's what I'm talking about. When you can slap the table and you feel it. See, that's what I say to people all the time. Oh, big new... You being nigga. No, I ain't being... I'm being realistic. If you feel it, then put your house on it. Nobody's going to put their house on it, so you don't know. You're only going to go by what you've been seeing. But I'm being again, realistic. Okay, okay let, let, let me be honest here. I'm not a gambler. Me neither. And I, the more I watch sports, the more I realize I know nothing about them. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm not either, but I'm just saying, like, okay, put it like this. You and I, if we, if we had a lifting contest, I would bet my house I could lift more than you. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I'm slapping the table. I bet you I can lift more than you. Where you might say, "Well, big new, I'll beat you in a race." We go on the street, we race a hundred yards down the street. You're probably going to beat me. True. Then (laughs) again, like one of your appendages weighs more than my body, so yes, absolutely. (laughs) Both of those statements are true. You would feel good about that bet, right? You slapping (laughs) the table. I bet my house. That's all I'm saying. That's that how good you feel about a bet. When they say say it with your chest, right? I can't say it with my chest. I don't know what this team gonna do, but if I had to bet, yeah, like these next couple of weeks, people ain't gonna be singing our praises. People are gonna be talking about how we're a disappointment. Um, we haven't lived up to expectations. You're gonna hear all those things. That's just being realistic. Now, mm-hmm. now we play Carolina next week, right? We better beat them. Carolina, yeah, we better beat them. I think they will. Okay. Yeah. So you beat them. Okay. You got the Jets at the end. Atlanta's the wild card. I don't know what's going to happen. It ain't like Atlanta can't come to Buffalo and beat us. No. They they could. They could. Just like, you know, the the Panthers could win. But anyway. I'll be talking to you live for Tampa, Florida next week. So hopefully we can get this dub, man. All right. Give us a song. Hey! Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.